Hi, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of 2021. I'm your host, Grant LeBeau, and this is Small Biz Gone Viral. Happy New Year, everyone, and may it please, please be a much, much better year than the last one. Today, I will be interviewing Dr. Steve Iacovelli, a.k.a. The Gay Leadership Dude, someone whose business had to contend not only with COVID-19, but also the fallout from one of President Trump's tweets prohibiting bias training of federal employees, which just so happens to be a core component of Dr. Steve's revenue stream. But before we get to that, a couple of quick things first, starting with our fun fact. One of my favorite things about the show is discovering the distant economic ripple effects of the pandemic. Today's fun fact is that while the costs of apartments, retail, and office space have all decreased and probably won't fully bottom out until mid-2021, industrial real estate never faltered and has been rising this whole time. This is due to the increased need for warehouse space as the quarantined populace relies more than ever on delivery for more and more goods. If only instead of organic energy bars, I made family-owned, gluten-free industrial warehouses? For some historical context, let's get to our segment, Facts and Figures. Each episode, we take a look at the numbers and what stories they are telling for unemployment, the stock market, and the pandemic. Today, we begin with unemployment. Weekly first-time claims dropped for the second week in a row, down to 787,000. This number is modest relative to the pandemic, and dropping is always good. Just remember, though, that this would have been absolutely record-shattering prior to March 2020. Speaking of record-shattering in a bad way, though the U.S. only has 4.5% of the world's population, our recent holiday surge has brought our share of the world's COVID cases up to 35%, that being in spite of having only 4.5% of the world's population. Put differently, 2.4% of Americans currently have the coronavirus, compared to 0.2% of the rest of the world. Good news is on the way, though. With 4 million doses of the vaccine having already been administered thus far in the U.S., beginning with frontline healthcare workers, the fatality rate of COVID should drop significantly as the elderly and immunocompromised are vaccinated in the coming months, which would most likely accompany, well, should hopefully accompany, a strong reopening of the economy. Last and least, the stock market opened the year in record territory, with the Dow hovering above 30,000 and the S&P at 3750. This doesn't really mean much for the 50% of Americans who don't own any stock, though I suppose it does bode well that the market thinks highly of our future prospects. Before we move to our interview, a quick message on behalf of small business owners everywhere. Obviously, voting with your wallet and directly supporting small businesses is the best and most effective method of support. I'm seven years into my energy bar company, Rickaroons, and I still see the name of almost every person ordering. Trust me when I say the morale boost is almost, almost, as good as the financial one. That being said, there are other ways to support that cost zero dollars. Comment on Instagram posts, leave positive Yelp reviews, write a quick Facebook post, or tag and share in other posts. It might seem trivial, but all of those things really do go a long way. Okay, time for the interview. My guest today is Dr. Steve Iacovelli, aka The Gay Leadership Dude. He's an expert in diversity and inclusion, change management, and leadership. His consulting firm, Top Dog Learning Group, 
works with both Fortune 500s and not-for-profit organizations to bring about a more inclusive and effective workplace. An award-winning author, speaker, and catalyst, Steve and his pack of top doggers' not-so-hidden agenda is to make the world a bit more inclusive for us all. Dr. Steve Iacovelli, thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Grant. Great to be here. And and Dr. Steve, Dr. Iacovelli, Steve? Steve. 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 <laughs> all right. Good. We got it. You're a doctor, but uh, you're a friendly doctor. So we're going to go uh, with Steve Exactly. Here. Yeah. Who's still paying on the student loan, so just go by Steve. Okay. Not, got not it. paid off yet. Not paid off yet. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, as always, to, to get things started, uh, let's go ahead and have you explain exactly what is Top Dog Learning. Yeah. So Top Dog Learning Group, um, I like to think of our dog house as kind of sitting in the, in the center of three different areas. We focus on uh, leadership and organizational development. We do diversity, inclusion, and belonging. And then we focus on change management and resiliency. And a lot of times those intersect, sometimes all three intersect, but we, we play in those three areas doing things like face-to-face -face trainings, when we could do those, uh, virtual uh, offerings, webinars, executive coaching, group coaching sessions, off-the-shelf stuff, anything that really touches upon those three specific areas, both for individuals as well as for, for the workplace. And something that we'll obviously be getting into later, but I'm going to go ahead and assume that those uh, in-person big events might might have been affected by COVID. <laughs> uh, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> Understatement of the century. Correct. <laughs> uh, and what was your background that kind of led you to start Top Dog? So uh, my a friend of mine and I, uh, Ruth started it in 2002 when we were both still working full-time at Disney. We worked at the cruise line and uh, I was actually taking her job. We were internal leadership consultants. We'd sail on board at the time, just the two ships once in a while and do training classes and coachings and such. So we're on board the Disney magic for seven days. And she's like, let's have dinner. I'm like, well, we always have dinner. We kind of have the same dinner rotation. She's like, no, no, no. All right, let's go to the spa. And it was just weird because that's a, a job where I saw my coworkers in swimsuits a lot. It was weird. But she's like, we should start a business. I'm like, we have a job. So like, no, 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 we're like the perfect chief learning officer together. I'm like, okay, that's an interesting point. So we came back, uh, went to our senior HR leadership and kind of told her, came clean, told her the deal. She's like, this is great. Don't use Disney stuff. Don't use Disney time. Have fun. And that's kind of how we started Top Dog. It's like a part-time thingy, just you know, trying to do a little side hustle. And then in 2007, late 2007, I found myself um, <clears throat> in between jobs, meaning I was just fired from my last gig, which was uh, a whole other story. And I decided- Reassessing. That, you know yep. Sure. I, uh, yes. I was, I was uh, voluntold to leave the company. But um, although Florida is a right to work state, I have no idea to this day why, but there's that. Um, so I decided, well, heck, I have this business infrastructure. Let's give it a go and see if I can make it a full-time venture. And that was uh, January in 2008. I decided to do that, which was just an awesome time to start a business, but it worked. Yeah, that'd be almost as crazy as starting a business. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, now. Uh, okay, so you have kind of those three areas that you that you mentioned. Yes. So let's see, as we kind of set the table for our in our pre COVID set, what was the business structure like in terms of your use of contractors, W2 employees, et cetera? So, so what we typically saw in the business 
pre-COVID was we had a handful of pretty big Fortune 500 companies that we were the go-to vendor to do a lot of their training and specifically mostly diversity and leadership training. And so we would um, we'd either write the classes or we'd, we'd inherit them from maybe their, their mothership parent company somewhere. And then uh, me and my top doggers, and I, and I have uh, an army of awesomeness, I call them, a, a bunch of 1099 contractors who I love and trust to go do the work. So we would go, we would fly somewhere around North America, do these multi-day training classes for all of our clients. And then we kind of come home and kind of you know, rinse and repeat, if you will. So typically what happens for us is because you know, once these clients do their bookings you know, with us, then they have to advertise that within their own workplace. So we book things by like January, February for the rest of the year. So I, I know for a whole year out where I'm going to be traveling to, where my people are going to be traveling to, and, and which is kind of nice because then I could be like, ooh, I'm going to tie a vacation onto this one. <laughs> or, you know, like you right. just kind of know. And as a planner, that's like a lovely thing. I could even geek out as much as knowing where my Delta Sky Miles points would be and see if I have to do like a, a points run at the time, if I had to make, you know, the next level up, all that nerdy kind of stuff for travelers. So, so by February, including this year, I knew, I had my my whole year planned out as far as you know the baseline of the cash flow, keeping my people busy, and then this was actually supposed to be a weird transition year anyway because um, you know having a handful of clients uh, is not the best way to have a bunch of eggs in one basket. So you know, diversification has always been the goal for the last couple of years. Um, I wrote my book, and and the whole idea behind that was not just to write the book, which is a lovely thing, but to create a whole product line. I was getting more into the keynote speaking world as another revenue stream. And so that was all on the books happening for 2020. So so there's that. <laughs> so there were already all, all sorts of goals centered around diversification. Correct. And I, it was, I, I would assume COVID probably was some something like pouring gasoline on that fire. <laughs> yeah, kind of. All, all, the, all those awesome keynotes I had, all went poof. <laughs> it's like, oh. Oh, don't, don't you worry, my friend. We, I'll give you plenty of time to tell us about all the business <laughs> right. that, that, that exactly. went poof. Exactly. Uh, okay, so you had a bunch of 1099 uh, contractors. Did you have anyone else on payroll uh, on as, as a W-2? No, I, I do have a, uh, I did have a part-time admin who would um, do, and not a lot, she's actually a, cl a close friend of mine as, as, as this does, as this yes. goes to small businesses. Um, and she's a teacher and a lot of times it would be like, oh, I want some work on the evenings or weekends, or, you know, I have a bunch of book orders to fulfill. And she's like, can I come do mindless work? I'm like, absolutely you can. And so she was uh, kind of my, my part-timer, uh, part-time top dogger, if you will. Okay. And the, the reason why I'm, I'm focusing on the, the difference between the, the 1099 and the W-2 is, of course, so that we, we can talk about the, the PPP yes. and uh, its, its far-reaching effects. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And you know what? I, I don't know where to, where to ask this, so I'm just going to ask you right now. But t t can you just tell me about the, uh, the trademark you just got? <laughs> yes. Um, yes, we were talking beforehand. So I we have Top Dog Learning Group, and then uh, my personal brand is uh, the Gay Leadership Dude TM on that. And yeah. <laughs> um, and so when when I was um, writing my book, which is called Pride Leadership Strategies for the LGBTQ Plus Leader to Be the King or Queen of Their Jungle, um, my publisher, who's just this incredibly smart businesswoman, she's like, well, you should also consider having a personal brand, whether it just be like you know your initials or or something that right. that is that is you. 
And I figured, well, I'm writing a queer leadership book. Let's just be the gay leadership dude, because then you know immediately three things about me, that I'm, I'm gay, uh, I self-identify as a dude, and I like leadership. So that's right. like the easiest way to do my <laughs> intro all the time now. And super memorable. Uh, right. <laughs> Trademark. Fantastic. Okay. So, and we'll, we'll talk more about that, that book a little bit later. So as we kind of move to, to wrap up the pre-COVID segment here, what were, I know you already touched on this a little bit, but what were some of like the, the biggest things that you were looking forward to in 2020 back when you had that big book of business booked already yeah. uh, centered around those in-person events? Yeah. So, so the three things that were super excited for me for 2020 going into it was I, I, you know, had the baseline, all those bookings, and they actually grew, which was awesome, uh, to the, the point where um, one of our biggest and long-term clients, we actually retooled all of the leadership programs that we were doing for them. So we were we were doing the um, the pilot test in early March of this year. And, and so that just brought one, I mean, I, I, as well as my top doggers have been teaching it for like nine years. And it's just nice to have, you take the same concepts, but you kind of re rejiggle them, do some different activities. It, that just makes it more fun for us too. So that was one. Two was, as I uh, said, um, I was really trying to focus on the keynote speaking part of my world. So I had a whole bunch of those lined up. I was super excited. And of course, Everyone wanted the gay leadership dude during Pride Month in June. So like the month of June, I was gone. And then um, three, I had worked with a, at the end of uh, 2019, I had actually worked with a strategic marketing coach. And, and we had this whole plan for 2020 to really grow the business. And the main focus for those things were two tentpole conferences that I always went to and, and um, you know, which were centered around me uh, presenting, having a booth set up there again, really promoting not just my book, but the next book that I'm writing and, and really trying to, to hammer out and, and be that keynote, like go-to person with the gay leadership thing in mind. So those are like the three things I was so excited for, for 2020. Is, I'm, I'm curious, is that a... Uh... Is that a saturated market, the 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 gay keynote speaker? <laughs> no, <laughs> that's kind of the idea. I, I mean, well, I, in all sincerity, um, I mean, there's a lot of uh, people who are talking social justice for the queer community as well as outside, um, diversity, inclusion, all that good stuff as you know, flash forward to this year, which we'll talk about. But um, as far as the whole concept of leadership, through the queer lens, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really one of a few that's talking that. And I'm uh, really one of like, three books that even addresses that. So there was a lot of opportunity. And plus it was a new new story, a new message, um, a, a new way of looking at things. So there was a lot of excitement and quite frankly, there still is, which is a good thing, but we'll talk about that in a moment. Um, right. But yeah, there's, there's, there is that opportunity. And that's why I, I did it on purpose niche the book from being just a generic leadership book mm -hmm. to one very specific to a very pointed uh, minority. Right. But allies, allies are welcome too. They like it. Good, good. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, so it is, it is an inclusive book. Of course it is. <laughs> of course. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I guess, um, you know, I, I, I totally, I, I nerd out on thinking about different business opportunities and uh, kind of the, the lifespan of businesses. And, and it seems like the miniature, the, the ecosystem, the existence of like gay leadership as a business is obviously a a new one like it's still kind of in its semi-genesis here yeah. uh because you know that's something that's like really only kind of come to like public forefront in the last you know decade or two ish right yeah and, and what you're seeing is is when people are having those conversations uh i mean you know there's there's a lot of different 
takes on focusing on a minority through a leadership lens. And, and that's great. I remember eons ago when I worked in Toronto to an organization, I was creating a women's leadership summit and that kind of stuff. Awesome. But no one really created these except there's a, a couple pockets, but they're typically target like the C-suite, which is great, but there's a whole lot of gay people who are in the C-suite. So that's kind of why Pride Leadership and my subsequent online training program and all sorts of fun stuff kind of came into being. Last question before we head into our mid-COVID segment is um, uh, just centered around your revenue expectations for 2020 pre-COVID. Maybe if you could give like a, a breakdown of, is I'm, I'm specifically looking for the event space, uh, only because I know that was what was hit hardest. Yeah. So um, we had signed on the dotted line um, a little a uh, little north of a quarter of a million dollars in bookings for, for the business for this year, which is fairly typical. It's actually a little bit less than previous years, but it's only because we were transitioning to these new programs for that one client. So that was to be expected. But the idea was, hey, let's, let's, let's do this number. And then with the idea that we can always add more later, I'm like, that's totally cool. You know? And that's not atypical. That's, that's pretty much how it is. And then the keynotes, um, like I said, I had a handful of, of live face-to-face -face ones already booked. And those are, you know, usually about um, $5,000 a pop. So, you know, th that number was kind of out there. And then um, the book sales, I had the target of um, I forget what the target number specifically was, but it was, it was pretty, it, it wasn't huge on purpose because, um, we were really moving toward the online, wonderfully enough, the online training program that goes with the, um, the, the leadership book. And last thing, why do we call you doctor? Uh, I have a, a doctorate in instructional technology and distance education. Okay, I just wanted to set the table for just exactly yes. how perfect uh, <laughs> exactly. of a PhD that that is for right, for right. the times. A doctorate in distance learning. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you, like you you can't you can't make this stuff up. No. Okay. Uh, so time now to move into our mid COVID segment where we'll talk all about the real world implications of COVID nineteen on you and your business and your top doggers. But of course, as always, before we get to that, it's time for our unsponsor of the show. The unsponsor <laughs> is an awesome company run by awesome people who produce an awesome product, who don't pay for a shout out, but they deserve one. So, Dr. Steve, tell us who is today's show not brought to us by? It is not brought to us by my friend Ben's company called uh, Five North Chocolate. Uh, they make um, their focus on well being, fair trade. It's an LGBT owned business, and they're flipping delicious i have to say um uh, there's a whole bunch of different kinds uh he's out of the new york city area but of course ships everywhere um and my favorite is the cinnamon almond it's 72 percent dark chocolate which i don't like super sweet things and it's just so different i've never had cinnamon in chocolate before but he has a all these really cool things and i just love that he gives back to the community um make sure that it's it's you know done in the right way and it's just a great product great for all, gifts just, too all, all of the things that we want to support on this on this show Exactly. And uh, how do we find them? Uh, if you just uh, Google Five North Chocolate, it'll be the first one to pop up. Perfect. Five North Chocolate. Five like the number, north like the direction. Chocolate like the delicious thing that we should eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Because exactly. it's a plant, so it's a salad. <laughs> exactly. Okay. On to our mid-COVID segment here where we talk about the real-world implications of COVID-19 on small businesses. First question which is pretty much always my first question, where and when was the first time you really felt the impacts of COVID? 
it was so early March is when we did the pilot for one of the programs. And so, you know, we just came back and um, I, I matter of fact, my one top dogger, Hillary was actually doing that program. And I went up to like support her to watch it, to like, you know, grip and grin with the, the client just to kind of be there. And so I left, I actually went to another client the next week in Wisconsin and I get this text from her. She's like, have you heard? I'm like, have I heard what? And she said, oh, the first the first case of COVID in XYZ City, where we just were, was actually at our client's campus. I'm like, lovely. <laughs> That's good to know. So that was kind of the, the first kind of slap in the face. But then I, I come home from my, my business trip and um, we actually had, happened to have a friend in town uh, who is in HR. He's an uh, HR executive for another company out in Denver. So, but he's visiting us for the weekend, went out to dinner. And the only reason this is important is because it's the last time I wore pants was this dinner outing, March 13th. I remember it very clearly. But the next day, um, like he's, get, we, you know, we're all keeping uh, in touch with the news. He's getting like all these messages. And I'm like, well, are, are you okay? He's like, I need to leave. I need to leave like tomorrow, not Monday. I'm like, okay. So he had to go figure out their company's strategy. So, cause it was really hitting. And that's kind of like, you know, okay, this is weird. So flash forward um, to uh, about three weeks later. And well, first of all, you know, the client came back and said, oh yeah, remember you, you know, Hillary is going to go and do the next round of these classes at the end of this month. We're not going to have her do that just now. I'm like, okay, that's like you know, red flag one. And then to make a story in eyes long, uh, about two weeks later, so this is early uh, April, is when all of our clients came back and said, you know what, we're not having on-site stuff anymore this year. So that's that was the week that I lost all of my bookings for the entire year. And, and then I was like, oh, well, that was kind of like, I have a, a bit of a runway for cash flow, but obviously as a small business, it's not like six months worth. And so I was like, oh, rats, right. that just all blew up. And you're, you're so not that, Apple. I am not Apple. You're not I'm sitting not, on a trillion dollars in cash. I am not. No, I mean, I, I'm like... Worst case scenario, I mean, I, I actually had an SBA loan, so I had I did have a bit of runway, but I mean, definitely not enough to sustain me through now. Uh, and so that was kind of April's when I started panicking, and I actually thought my business was done. You know, twelve years, top dog, good run, buddy. And I was like, well, I guess I need to get a real job. And my husband's like, I think you need a real job. So we were just kind of figuring that out, and 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 then of course some of the federal um, help kind of came came our way. After that very rude awakening where a you had the the covid uh uh positive test in not not you but in, in the <laughs> sphere that you had been operating in correct and a- after that you had a, a whole bunch of, of business that was canceled for the foreseeable future that that took expectation revenue expectations for the year from basically 250 to zero i mean oh, from the existing yeah, yeah, pretty much. I, I mean, I knew um, you had run a couple of them, so you know, some some small percentage of that had been done already. Yeah, there was there was a trickle of cash flow that was coming in from the work we had done in you know January, February, and the beginning of March. Not a lot, um, and you know, a chunk of that work goes to my 1099ers, so that really wasn't much for me. It was more for them, which rightfully so, they did the work. So yeah, so I, I at that point I was just like, I could I can shut off all expenses as much as I can as a business and you know, pay me a little bit up until I think I had a runway until like June 1st um, was kind of what I was predicting at that moment in time. Right. You, you mentioned your, your 1099ers. That's a, this is a, as good a time as any. Let's hit on the PPP and your experience with, with having 
1099ers versus having people as W-2 employees. Yeah, there was a, this is where it kind of was the blessing and the curse and also the ambiguity of it all because no one knew what the hell was the right question to answer. I have a CPA, she's wicked smart as my Boston friends say, but um, she didn't know. And, and so we were, we were running both scenarios like, well, what's the PPP look like with 1099s? What's it look like without them? And, and of course, as a small business, you know, you try to keep your, your, your numbers low. So sometimes it, I, I don't really pay myself a whole lot. I do more owner draws than salary. So when it came down to, you know, of course with owner draws, that's not what PPP was for, it was for salary. So I, I, by being frugal and smart with my money in 2019, it kind of shot me in the foot for 2020's PPP. So I didn't, I, we didn't get a lot, especially when they figured, whoa, 1099s aren't part of it. But I made sure, of course, my, my top doggers, they could go get their own stuff, which was good. Um, but yeah, PPP, while I will say the process was full of questions, still is. Now I'm trying to get the forgiveness part, which I'm sure you and me both. Yep. Oh, yes, right, right. So um, there's all that. But I got a tip very, very early because I have a friend who actually works at the SBA. He's actually was a part-time top dogger as well. And we're just having a chat. And he's like, don't go to a big bank. Absolutely do not. If you and I already had an SBA loan. So I had a relationship with a small community bank here in Florida. And he's like, just go directly to them and just talk to them, skip every big bank, skip the SBA, go right to them because they'll know what to do. I'm like, okay. And thank goodness he gave me that advice. Cause I would have just gone to you know, one of the big, you know, my, my business checking is actually at a big bank. And so I probably would have just gone there and that didn't go so well for a lot of people that I know in business. And so that was a great advice. Now, granted, I, I didn't get a lot, but you know, it was enough to kind of keep the lights on for a little bit longer till actually business did pick back up again. That is interesting that, and I'd kind of forgot about that, that 1099ers through the PPP were able to, because they, they are essentially their own boss would be able right. to apply for uh, government relief on yeah. their own. Of course, that doesn't um, doesn't maintain the connection like you paying them would. Right. So, well, and 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 to be honest, some of my top doggers they have their own business, so that was kind of you know we just kind of like like work together, and she mm -hmm. does like like one of them. I'm thinking of Lori, who's just flipping amazing. So she has her own LLC. So. It, it was okay, you know, and, and so she was able to basically do exactly what I was doing um, on her side. But then some of my other 10, 1099ers, that's just, they don't want to have a business. They just like, Steve, I just want to work for you and you know, give me what you can and, and go from there, which is also totally fine, but it was just a very different situation for them. Right. A little bit of a pivot here. Mm -hmm. This show focuses on the impacts of COVID. But in the kind of in the spirit of highlighting the importance of civic engagement and why voting matters and kind of how contrary to popular belief, there are very different, very big kind of real world implications for individuals that hinge on the political tides. Yep. Uh, can you describe some of the tangible differences you have felt working because you have you have some government contracts sometimes? Mm -hmm. Um, some of the tangible differences you felt working for the government in the last two presidential administrations, uh, mm -hmm. and we'll, we'll save, uh, for later your experiences, uh, or your, your, your forecasts, I should say. Okay. So one of the, uh, things that we also do, and, and it's a little, it was less of a focus, um, than, 
COVID times, was uh, I, I have a colleague, we have a, a business partnership where we create, she has her own company, I have mine, but together we created a, a bunch of off the shelf um, diversity and inclusion training programs. And so everything from being very specific for certain demographics to just kind of in general, how do you have a more inclusive communication in your workplace? So, and we, we built these about 10 years ago. Um, we keep them up to date and, but I don't really focus on them. She does. So she's kind of the one leading that charge, which is quite lovely. I just support her, get my royalty check. It's a nice little, you know, trickle of revenue pre COVID. So, um, but one of the things that she does a lot of is government contracting as uh, and public university work. And so, um, you know, prior to COVID, prior to um, the current administration, that was that was just a nice little trickle of money that was coming in. It wasn't a lot, but you know, it was it was enough to you know, we're, and we're talking annually. It's maybe like you know, twelve thousand dollars a year, which is hey, that's nothing to sneeze at for me just to kind of send an, a zip file out for something I built 10 years ago. That's cool. You know, that's a nice little little add-on to keep the lights on and, and other kind of areas of focus. And this is during so the that, Obama administration. This, Yeah, this, I mean, this is up yep. until, really up until, um, until about a year and a half ago. It's, it's about what those figures are. And then we started seeing a slight uptick um, during the uh, current administration. And then, of course, um, when COVID hit, so no one could go anywhere. And then you had um, George Floyd, Black Lives Matter, a, a massive focus, uh, and rightfully so, on social justice earlier this year. You know, our sales, sadly, but not, spiked. I mean, massively. And so Leslie would, you know, my business partner on this venture, she would just be like, um, we sold another $40,000. I was like, holy, like we were really selling a lot of these because the, you know, it would, we knew the need was always there. We knew that racism was still sadly alive and well, but now, you know, the, the spotlight was there and continues to be. Um, and, and so we saw just this massive spike in sales for our online diversity inclusion things until this early fall. And then that's when um, the current president sent out a tweet saying these types of trainings, which ours fell exactly under all of those quote unquote evil trainings or un-American trainings needed to stop. So uh, of course, all government contracting stopped. So we froze, you know, things that were in place kind of froze. Some of those contracts were already out. So that's kind of good. Do, do, you, do, you, do you remember what, what the wording was or, or ballpark? There was two. Um, there was this, a, all, a very, or this is this is just a tweet, right? Well, it started with a tweet. <laughs> it started with a tweet. Yeah. Um, that that's, that could be somebody's autobiography, but as anyway, all bad things do, as all bad things do. Um, so it started with a tweet about like the the these. Uh, I forget how it was phrased, but it was basically saying like these these un-American trainings teaching uh, that people have privilege are bad and shouldn't happen, and then. And then the, um, G, was it GSA, the government, um, basically the government HR office, uh, then put out one memo that kind of went deeper into what that meant. And then a second memo came out maybe three weeks later that went so far as to bullet point the types of topics you could not have, which of course, you know, one of them was unconscious bias, which is one of the massive things that we teach. And so um, that's, so then, and then the, then the threat was, if you are in violation of that, you lose funding. And oh, that means you, public universities, if you get federal funding. 
we had all of these public universities who were, were like, I mean, massive universities that we were all like, yeah, we want to buy that, especially that one on being inclusive and inclusive language and all that good stuff. Well, mm -hmm. then they're like, er, um, we need to see the topic list. We're like, well, it's pretty obvious what the topics are. And right. so, that, so that's when they're like, yeah, we don't think we can buy this now. We're like, oh, son of a gun. Because that, uh, you know, those are allotted to like another $60,000 in sales. <laughs> it's just like, oh, man. So, so just yeah. adding insult to injury, because basically Correct. you had this, this quarter million dollar book of business booked for for 2020 the vast majority of that was canceled you know starting in, in april basically in in one fell swoop then things start to trickle back in start to more than trickle back in start to pour in and then and i found the tweet here um <laughs> let's see uh, a few weeks ago i uh, this is uh september 22nd here yeah uh, that was a, sec a few weeks ago i banned uh, in all caps efforts to indoctrinate government employees with div with divisive and harmful sex and race-based ideologies today i've expanded that ban to people and companies that do business with our country the u.s military government contractors and grantees americans should be taught to take pride all caps in uh, <laughs> irony abound um should be taught to take pride in our great country and if you don't there's nothing in it for you so yeah. um the reason why i wanted to bring that up is because basically there are like one of the things that I really enjoy about this show is being able to talk to people about their very human experiences uh, or the kind of the, the humanizing of things that I, as a relatively vociferous consumer of news, uh, I read about, but I am not I am not experiencing that. Right. Sure. And, and I think that that's kind of a lot of people's, um, you know, uh, experience with with reading the news. Right. Like you're you're reading about unemployment numbers and you're like, oh, you know, 840,000 people filed for unemployment. Is that a lot? Is that a little? I don't know. Oh, the CARES Act is going to expire. Does that, it doesn't affect me. So, well, you know, what, what does it really mean? Oh, uh, president tweeted something about something. And, you know, what, so like touching on what, what, what are like the real world ramifications of a simple tweet? Uh, yeah. They are, they are, you know, far and, and, and wide reaching. A, because all of those people are, who would have been benefiting from receiving that in the, the instruction. Correct. Correct. And then of course, you know, B is there are small businesses who, you know, like yours that all of a sudden, you know, may have had contracts or interests yep. and those are gone. And, and for, for me, you know, it, it wasn't, that's not a massive part of my revenue stream and my, my strategy. Of course, that was the face-to-face -face trainings, which we already talked about. But for people like my friend Leslie, that that was her main bread and butter. And she that and she's like, I for her, her loss of everything happened later. A little well, she lost the face-to-face -face stuff, but she could she adapted very well. But then once that that you know the, the tweet heard around the world, at least in the diversity and inclusion world, um, yeah, she she's just like I'm I'm done. I'm dead in the water now because I at least for all of her government stuff, I can't even do the topic that I've, I've written books on and been known for for 25 years. You know, it's and and what's what disappoint me the most is you know, and I will be the first one to say as somebody who who you know, sells diversity training, diversity training doesn't make the difference. However, it is part of a bigger strategy. And that's what kind of was disappointing. And when you pull that part out of the mix, then you have to rely on the other pieces to have people start to think about, you know, being more in consciously inclusive. So then it's, it's, you know, senior executive strategy that could vary depending on where you're at in, in the world and in, in the, in this case, in the government. Um, and then it also looks like you, you're, uh, communication strategy it looks at your measurement strategy and so but training typically is is the thing that holds everything together and then once that was gone it's mm -hmm. like womp 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 you know game over 
Right. What you're saying essentially is that your one or two or even full day training is not going to solve, is is not going to drastically change culture overnight. And it's, it's almost like the, it's, it's what sets the table for kind of those, those breakout sessions where then you're working with the the C-suite or the, the higher decision makers about kind of how to then implement those things. But it starts by saying, Hey, everybody, just want to make sure we're all on the same page here. Here's what to look yep. forward to. Yeah. And, and so that's why you know, when I get back to what Top Dog does, you know, we do leadership, diversity, and change management. I was an IBMer for several years as an as a change management consultant. And you know, human behavior is not something that happens in a 45-minute webinar or the shift in human behavior. <laughs> right. It's you know, it's 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 like going to the gym. I go and do a really awesome workout for an hour, like, yeah, look how buff I am. That's not how it works. It's it's more of a bigger picture. And that's gotta put kind in of the how, work. Absolutely. And, and that's that's how change management 101 happens. And that's what we tell all of our clients. Like, yes, we're, we're top dog learning group. We're not about learning. We're about human performance and behavior. And it takes more than just that silver bullet training to make that happen. However, that usually is the catalyst and, and the kind of the common point to start those conversations, like you said. Right. So as the as those are all canceled, essentially, you know, theoretically at least through january 20th uh 12:01 p.m. eastern standard time not that yes. you're counting or or no, waiting or anything not. i don't have a clock on my desktop that says that <laughs> yeah. um so i'm i'm thanks for kind of sharing that that with us just cuz you know again i just want to like kind of highlight the the real world uh implications of seemingly uh obtuse tweets basically okay we're you know yeah, we're, yeah we, uh, someone might be affected by this no real people are affected by these decisions well and, and what i what i also kind of pulling it back to not just from the government but whenever i do any sort of uh diversity and inclusion training program you know i know i have it's a mixed usually a mixed bag i have people there who are like super excited to be there and then i have the people who are voluntold to be there quite frankly mm -hmm. and and you know hey i'm not i'm not a stupid man i can usually read the body language of folks but what i always start off is saying look there's three reasons why any organization whether it be a government small business or a fortune 100 looks at diversity and inclusion and i actually use um the phrase being consciously inclusive and we can talk about that later but i say that you know the first uh, on one end of the spectrum is you want to make the world a better place you know that's just you know, everyone benefits when we're all inclusive so there's that side on the complete opposite side uh, an organization goes down the path of being more inclusive because someone tells them you have to or you get in trouble so there's that side the punitive part and then in the middle is you know what it makes business sense to do it and so typically what happens, and, and there's just studies out there over and over that show the, you know, the business case for being inclusive. And so I, I tell folks, I don't care where you're, you're kind of coming from. We're going to zero in on why this is good for your business and your workplace. And yes, the other two pieces are still out there. Obviously, I, as someone who does this for a living, am all about let's make the world a better place. But you know what? I get that some people aren't there. So let's focus on how your organization is going to be more effective if you be more consciously inclusive. And then let's kind of go down the, the path of that. And so, so that's kind of what made me sad is when tweets like that happen, or even when other workplaces um, say, yes, um, Black Lives Matter, and now they've kind of forgot that and aren't doing those things, that's going to hit their bottom line and, and, their, or, and or their performance, depending on kind of your profit or nonprofit status. Right. It, it's not just feel goods. It's there's a, there's a, a bottom line effect. There is a, a double I, bottom line effect. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 
as the the pandemic has essentially been a an opportunity for you to put to you to put to very practical use uh your your doctorate in in distance learning uh and luckily you had already had on the docket for 2020 implementing more um uh remote learnings right yes how have how has uh has the pandemic kind of poured the the gasoline on, on that fire and and how has that uh changed the uh the revenue share of your business yeah and it's a great question thanks for asking it um so in in last fall i had and, and i wrote my book knowing it wasn't you don't make a lot of money off of books, folks, just kind of sharing that out there. It's a really expensive, you know, brochure in, in essence. But, you know, it, it was my point to kind of set myself up as a thought leader, have this conversation. And then ultimately the book is written like a training class. Um, you know, I was a college professor for a hot minute. You know, I kind of write classes for a living. So that's how the book was was kind of broken up. And then I created a workbook at the end of last year that goes with it. And um, the idea was to use those assets for an online leadership program. So last fall, I had um, started designing that. Um, I purchased a learning management system um, because you know several years ago, you could not find one that was cost effective. Now you can, it's really great. So I finally found one I liked that could do what I wanted to do. So, and I was just going to use that learning management system, which is you know software as a service, as just the online school for just this one program. It's called the Lions program because, you know, pride leadership, Lions, and Lions stands for a leader's immersive opportunity to nurture strengths because oh, I love former, it. former Disney had to have some cool cheeky acronym kind of going on. Of course. So, of course. so, so the whole LMS was just branded for that one program. Well, then COVID hit and I'm like, Oh, okay. So, you know, while I'm trying to, you know, house is on fire, trying to figure it out. One of my amazing top doggers said, Hey, Steve, remember that um, resilience class that we, we used to do, you know, you should kind of like rewrite it so that, you know, it's, it's owned by you because it's such a good concept and it's being resilient in times of change. And I'm like, you know, that's a really good idea. About so as kind pertinent of, of a topic as, as could ever be. Kind of, yes. So I, I spent the weekend, I kind of grabbed a couple newer books, kind of re, rewrote kind of a, a, a class, created some PowerPoint, recorded me doing the class. And it's just like a one hour, it's meant to be like a self-paced, um, but it's more, you know, the, I, I'm, I'm big on workbooks and kind of kinesthetic writing and all that good stuff, kinesthetic learning. And um, and so it's really meant to just, uh, you know, me, me guiding you through three activities to help you be more resilient in times of change. And so I threw that out on, on the LMS and I'm like, whoa, I'm getting people are interested in this. And, you know, obviously it's, it's, you know, I think I was charging at half price. So it's like 50 bucks for, you know, a class. And I'm, I'm like, not going to make, I'm not going to break the bank, but it's helping people. I'm like, Ooh, there's something here. And so I started doing more of that. I started doing a lot of free webinars. Um, I used to do a webinar years ago on a webinars, how to be a webinar or a webinar on how to do webinars. And so, which was just so metadata, um, yeah. but I've been, I've been using zoom for like five years. And so um, I know what lighting looks like. I know, you know, kind of how you need to think about setting up your, your camera angles and all that, that, that fun stuff that we're now all learning, 
you know, on the fly, some learning it better than others, quite frankly. Um, so I, I started doing free things like that, but then it was also generating buzz on my company. I was getting, growing my email list. And so, you know, I started turning to things that I know I could do one because I could help people because this was a crappy time, but two, I did, then I started realizing, oh, this is really smart business sense. So going into 2021, I now have this like very elaborate webinar strategy I'm doing, um, you know, with topics that I know are, are going to be resonant and, and kind of help folks out as also a way to generate revenue and interest in my very growing online business. Cause now it's not just the lions program. It's a whole bunch of other stuff that I've created out there that I'm just like, Hey, I have 25 years of, of leadership content on my hard drive. Let me just dust some off and see what sticks. And where has the largest increase in revenue come from? The biggest, uh, surprisingly, the biggest thing is actually those keynotes that I thought I lost um, back when COVID hit. They've what gone digital? Uh, yeah. And, um, and I'm like, why can't I do this digital? Like I do that for a flipping living. <laughs> so it takes a little bit of, uh, to convince the the end user, the the client partner. I'm like, I can do this here. Here's what it looks like. And I can show them. And, and I know people aren't seeing this, but I had like this really nice green screen. It's not like the one where my ears disappear if I move wrong. It's like really well lit and all that fun stuff. And I can put my slides behind me. And and I said, you know, hey, and here's here's what I can still do to still engage your people. Oh, and the topic typically is on on diversity and inclusion. Uh, my big signature topic is being consciously inclusive, and so it's it's meant for all people. It's not just for the LGBT folks, even though it is from my book. And uh, that's that's been insanely popular with folks because it's the right topic, it's the right delivery, and I can I'm slightly animated even in virtual delivery, and people have noticed that difference. No argument here on that animation. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's funny. I mean, obviously, people who are listening to this via podcast, uh, which is the only way to listen to it, uh, d don't benefit from seeing these <laughs> these backgrounds that that you have behind you. But your presentation is is more professional than uh, what I see most of the time when I see news clips of people you know, <laughs> uh, doing their thing from from home. So I want to move into the post COVID set here where we basically we'll talk about kind of what you are looking forward to and what uh, adaptations and pivots you've made or, or will continue to make and, and will outlive the pandemic. So I guess let, let's, let's start there. Um, as, as far as your forecasting for, let's just start, let's start with, with, with the dollar. Where do you see things moving in 2021 um, relative to maybe 2019 or what you had anticipated for 2021 in terms of like the, the where the slices of the of the revenue pie will yeah. be biggest for you? Well, it's it's been really encouraging because in August, um, July, August, we went back to all all of our our top three clients that we do the face to face delivery and said we can turn this into something else because that's what we do. And they're all, and all three were like, no, 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 we're not ready. We're not ready. Well, then slowly all three came back and said, yeah, we know 2021 is not even, you know, God willing, universe, Buddha, Allah, insert deity of choice here. Um, you know, things are going to get back to face-to-face -to -face slowly, but they're like, we're not planning that for 2021 just to be safe. Uh, right. Unintended. And, um, and they're like, so we know we need, we still need to do leadership stuff, diversity stuff. So let's go with you and your team, Steve, to help us convert that. So now at the end of the year, I'm getting all these, these gigs for basically it's, it's conversion from 
ILT, instructor-led training, to VILT, virtual instructor-led training. So it's you know using Zoom, and actually there's a, a lot of really cool tools that you can do out there to simulate what you would do in the classroom. Like I have this, this tool that um, can simulate you putting post-it notes on a whiteboard in a brainstorming session. And, and like so little things like that to really make it engaging and fun, um, but still virtually delivered. And so we're in the midst of doing that for several clients. And then um, the one client said, because um, I said, you know, what about frequency? Because we have to start planning that now for 2021. And they're like, um, so I have, so this one particular client, I, there's three of us in Top Doc who are certified in the client's eyes to do the work. And I, but I do have access to a fourth person who used to be certified in a different company, but they can kind of slide under and be a, be a top dog or 1099er. And so I asked the client, I'm like, um, so what are you thinking for next year? You know, what frequency they're like, Oh, we're going to need all four of you because we're going to amp this up. And I'm like, yes. Okay. That's cool. So it's cheaper for them to deliver it through us via, um, via technology, via distance. It's, it's about half price actually, but we still get a really nice chunk. And oh, by the way, now instead of it being two days, I'm sitting in XYZ, you know, Arkadelphia, Arkansas or wherever, um, or, or where my top doggers is, you know, we're doing it like two hours every Tuesday. Uh, and it's the exact same amount of content. Well, one, that's better for the learner because they, they get a little bit of something they can go play with it for a week and come back and they get another something they go play. So that's actually much better instructional design. And then two, there's no travel. For me, for my top doggers, for any of their client, any of their employees, mm -hmm. so they're saving a ton of money. Um, and so, about so we just have to make sure that the experience is as close to the face to face as possible. And that was actually the first thing one of my doctoral uh, professors said uh, was that's distance learning in and of itself. You should try to get as close to the real experience as possible using the technology you have at hand. And, and I think for anybody who is, is, is stuck at home with you know, seven-year-olds who are running around trying to do their distance learning thing, God bless you, because that's not easy to do. And, and I think that's been one of the challenges for a lot of, lot of both workplaces and schools is they weren't ready to get as close to the physical thing as possible via distance. But that's what we're trying to do. And so we're, we're super excited. And I think, I think we're, gonna, we're gonna go back to what we lost in 2020, um, but that's just one revenue stream. Now I have all these other ones that popped up. And so that's what excites me the most is it's not just going back to, you know, getting that face-to-face -face money. It's now the virtual keynotes. It's now all these self-paced online. I, I took a bunch of our um, uh, one day diversity classes and turn, turn them into four part online series that people are starting to kind of get into. The Lions program um, that I mentioned earlier, it's, it's starting to find its home and its home tends to be Fortune 500s who have an employee resource group that's focused on the queer community or the queer employee. And now I'm getting folks who are saying, hey, we heard about this program that you have. We wanna go through it too. It's like, yes. So that's kind of where I get excited that um, 2020, made Top Dog diversify, even though we knew that was going to happen and it was slowly getting there. But like everybody else, it just forced us to get there real fast. And we're going right. to reap the benefits in 2021. You had to be resilient. Yes. Hey. <laughs> Very good. And here we are looking into 2021, where those events probably in the Q1, Q2 are not coming back. Nope. Maybe Q3, Q4. But at some point, you know, like you said, you've been doing this, you have 25 years of experience, you've started the business oh, 12 or 13 years ago in, in its current iteration. As it continues to iterate, and you know, it's obviously going to look different in 2021 than it did at the start of 2020, 
let's say we get to let's just skip 2021 and go to straight to 2022 yep. where, OK, vaccine rollout success, COVID, it, it, it's in the rearview mirror. Life is good. You are now in a position where you can do those in-person keynotes or or um, or the the more traditional in-person teachings, but you also can do many, many more trainings digitally because you don't have to travel as much anymore. This is a uh, this is where I ask you to to prognosticate. Do you think that those, especially those bigger companies that kind of have a, have a uh, a wider turning radius that they're going to want to go back to those in-person uh, methods of teaching, or do you think they'll be okay with continuing on in this digital space? It's a, it's a fantastic question, Grant, and I think it's going to be both. Um, you're going to start to see a couple. This is this is my you know, magic eight ball kind of coming out now. Um, you're going to start to see a couple different things that are post-COVID world aren't going to go away. One is remote working. That's 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 a massive thing that's not going away. And so you're already starting to see big companies downsize their physical footprint because they can have, you know, these remote workers and, and all that good stuff. And I think that's that's fantastic because not only is that just makes work-life balance even better for folks, but if you're a rock star in your field, people won't care where you live. They will want you. And so if I'm like, you know, that rock star salesperson, well, sales is bad because, you know, typically they don't live, they travel anyway. But let's say you're like that rock star marketing person, you know, you're like a free agent now because it doesn't matter. You don't have to live in New York next to the corporate headquarters or somewhere you can live in. And I always jokingly say Arkadelphia, Arkansas, because I had to go there for work one time. Um, it's cute. It's just really small. But um, but yeah, like you, you can live wherever the heck you want. And that's fantastic. So you're going to see that. So the, these distant things are still going to be around. And then two, I think they're going to give employees choices. Um, some won't want to travel anymore. And if, you, if you're doing it right, you're not committing um, distance learning malpractice like I see some folks doing. If you're doing <laughs> it the right way, then you know, that's still going to be a, 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 a part of the menu option that workplaces are going to have. And, and Top Dog Learning Group is happy to go either way. I'm personally excited to do more distance. Um, especially the distance keynote stuff. I think that's going to be still a, a sweet spot. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing you be able to double, triple, whatever revenue because you. It's, it's almost like you're being given more time in the day or more time in 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 the week. Yep. As we wrap things up here, what is the best way for our listeners to support you if they want to learn more, if they want to follow your message? How do they do that? Yeah, the, be the best place is, is just the, the Top Dog main site, uh, topdoglearning.biz, B-I-Z. You can kind of check out um, check out me, my team, uh, learn a little bit more. There's a way to get a hold of us. Um, and you also see ways to kind of uh, get in touch with our, um, our learning management system and all of our fun little training classes that are out there. The book, Pride Leadership, uh, is also available out there. So that's your one-stop shop. I, I was just going to say, if you didn't mention the book, uh, and, and if people are are fans of less digital and more more tangible, what's, what's the best way to do that? Yes, the the book Pride Leadership. Yeah, you can find it on Amazon if you go to steveonamazon.com. It'll redirect you right to my my site. Um, you can also see um, other other ways to consume it on uh, the main Top Dog page. Uh, and I also did the digital book. That was one of my COVID jobs. Steve, Doctor Steve Iacovelli, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much, and good luck to everyone who's listening. 
thank you to my guest, Dr. Steve Iacobelli. Check out his website, thegayleadershipdude.com or topdoglearninggroup.biz, where you can get some freebies about inclusive leadership, as well as find his book, Pride Leadership, Strategies for the LGBTQ Plus Leader to be the King or Queen of Their Jungle. Also, of course, available on Amazon. Time now for my unsponsor, aka a small business doing everything right. They don't pay for a shout out. Heck, they don't even know it's coming, but they deserve one. Today's show is not brought to you by Sotella. Sotella exists to celebrate the strength of the human body through clothes. Based in Los Angeles, Hannah founded Stotella after dreaming of an ethical clothing line that would fit her changing body, which is why all her designs now have one to two sizes in leeway. So no matter how you change, your clothes will still fit. I also love how their values of body positivity, positive impact, humanity, and the environment are all evident across everything they do. Check them out at Sotella, S-O-T-E-L-A dot com. Speaking of shopping small, check out smallbizgoneviral.com for a rapidly growing list of unsponsors, always worthy of your support, but an especially pertinent recommendation if you are looking for gifts. You know, New Year's gifts. Maybe get a classic sweater made just for you from episode 23's Public Habit, or a dress that incorporates height and shape from episode 21's A-Lin. Take an online yoga or twerk class from episode 22. We've got lotions, fair trade purses, tahini, workout coaches, Brazilian activewear, base butter, performance socks, moisturizing hand sanitizer, and more, all at smallbizgoneviral.com. Thank you, Peggy Bunker and the Bunkmates, Worldometer, NPR, Robinhood Snack, and Morning Crew Daily News emails, Statista, and my wonderful researcher, Kaylin Kwan. Someday this will all be over. Until then, fight the fatigue, social distance, and wear a mask. From an office in North Pacific Beach, recorded and edited before and after work hours, I'm Grant LeBeau, and this is Small Biz Gone Viral. And we're back with our quick bonus lightning round with just a few quick questions for Dr. Steve. Dr. Steve, uh, number one. (laughs) <laughs> What's the biggest upside of entrepreneurship? Um, I think for me, it's you know, you're you're the captain of your own ship, even if that that ship is a little tiny dinghy. Um, it's still yours, and you're in command wherever that's going to lead you. Question number two: What is your least favorite part about entrepreneurship? <laughs> um, so I want that little dinghy to be like this massive, mega, awesome yacht that has like five swimming pools and a helipad on it, um, but it's just me. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm, I'm sometimes too busy to do sales versus like fix the IT. So uh, because it's usually just me or, or you know, or my, my, my top doggers, it's hard to grow when you're wearing uh, 50,000 hats, including that captain's hat. Yes, the, the, the many hat <laughs> conundrum. Yes. What is your least favorite question about your business to receive at a party or I don't know, over Zoom? What's a party? Yeah, I was gonna say, what's a party? Um, I, I think one I've, I've actually had a lot of is even before COVID is, is like, well, do, do you sell your training online? Like, do you do online training? I'm like, um, that's my doctorate. Yeah. So, yes. And <laughs> uh, building off of that, what are some common misconceptions about your business? The, the biggest one is, and I love our name, Top Dog Learning Group. But early on, I'd have people come up and say, do you, tra- do you train dogs? And I'm like, um, only my own. Thank you very much. So we started using the tagline, human learning and performance support. So um, that's probably one of the biggest biggest misconceptions is who we train. And the other is when people say, um, hey, TGIF. I'm like, uh, I'm an entrepreneur. I don't have weekends. Thank you very much. Yeah. Wh- what is TGIF? <laughs> yeah, no. 
last question. Yeah. Why would you recommend entrepreneurship to Joe Schmo? I, I think one of the things that I've appreciated my 12 years of making this my my life is um, it, it's always different. And, and you know, I do have control, but I also have the opportunity to learn a whole bunch of stuff. You know, I could barely spell P&L statement before I had my own business. And, and the little things like that, that are, uh, as an educator, as someone who likes to learn, that is the fun part. Sometimes it's a frustrating part, but I think ultimately it's, it's the thing that makes me most excited is just getting up and learning something new each day. Oh, man. You are preaching to the choir. Dr. Steve, I enjoyed this interview immensely. Thank you so much. Thank you, Grant. It's awesome.